2: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
3: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's
4: Bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
0: Hey guys, this is Candace King and you are listening to Directionally Challenged. We really thought we would have it all figured out by the time we we're in our 30s, but surprise, me nor Kayla Yule, we do not. We do not. Um that's right, you're just hearing me today. Kayla is traveling. Uh she is here in podcasting spirit. Uh but luckily, we have a great episode for you guys today. Today I'm sitting down with podcasters of Forever 35, Kate and Dory. Kate and Dory are two friends who love to text each other about serums on their podcast Forever 35. They talk about sheet masks, exercise, nutrition, meditation, anxiety, stress, Kate's favorite drugstore mascara, and Dory's addiction to restorative yoga, and so much more. Kate and Dory are both published authors. I'm so excited. I'm a listener of their podcast. They are fantastic. We have a great conversation for you guys. Uh, I just happen to be turning 35 in 2022, so could not be a better time to be sitting down with Kate and Dory of the Forever 35 podcast right after this break. And we are back with Kate and Dory. Thank you guys so much um, for joining me today. Um, I'm so thrilled to be talking with both of you, uh, from the forever 35 podcast. Cause I'm about to turn 35 in 2022. Oh, oh. happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> in like six months, but I feel like that I'm gearing up for like the big three, five because for some reason, like the 20s, nothing really felt big after 21 and 30 kind of didn't feel as big of a shift as I thought it would. I just was like, Oh, cool. I like this. Mm -hmm. 35. I'm very intimidated by and I don't know why do you guys have any answers as the host of the forever 35 podcast?
5: So I in my 30s, I'm 42. And in my 30s, I clung like when I would describe myself, I'd be like, well, because you know, I'm in my early 30s. But then when you turn 35, you're you're reaching the threshold where you are now lumped into the late thirties category. And that felt like a big progression. Something about, about those final, like 35 to 40 and having to define yourself in that space felt like a lot, but I will say I've, I have found it to be a beautiful place to be. Again, I'm 42. So those years are long gone. (laughs) But they were a nice, they were a nice place to be. But honestly, I think a lot of the the angst and the feelings around these numbers is because culturally we've been so conditioned to fear them or dread them or lie about our age. And that's like the name of our podcast is a joke. It's tongue in cheek. Like we don't neither of us want to remain forever 35. But I think it's very hard. The external
3: conversation
5: about aging is it's still not like welcoming.
3: I think for me. I was single at 35 and I felt like there was so much cultural and social pressure to be partnered up by 35, that like 35 was this some sort of like deadline mm. that, you know, if you pass 35 and you were still single, like you were going to be single for the rest of your life. And if if that's if that was what you wanted fine but if you didn't then like tough luck and i totally like internalized all of this and so turning 35 for me felt very scary and it wasn't until a few years later that i was like that was all such bullshit i can't believe that i internalized all of these messages from you know, popular culture and the
0: media and everything about this idea of turning 35. Was there one element of pop culture that sticks out to you? I've had this discussion with some of my girlfriends about, like, the sex in the city of it all. Like, for me, I watched Sex mm-hmm. in the City when I was in my kind of late teens, early 20s. So... It reflected the way that I thought I I was like, oh, that's what it means to be single and having fun and living your best life is, you know, to either be a Miranda for a night or a Carrie for a night or a Samantha for a few hours. And and did did that like, is there any show that really kind of that you think of immediately when you think of pop culture in reference to aging as a woman? I mean, I was going to say Sex in the City. Yeah. You
3: know, I'm old enough that I watched most of it as it aired, you know, and I was in my early 20s. And I think that really imprinted on me a lot of kind of like fucked up and retrograde ideas about dating and heterosexual dating, I should say, you know, their whole they had that episode about like, he's just not that into you, that then spun out into like a whole other industry with like a book and a movie. And, you know, this was also the era of the rules, if that is familiar to you. yes. And so, like, all of these very gendered ideas, patriarchal ideas about dating and single women in particular, I think I was absorbing at a very like vulnerable and impressionable time in my life, like my early and mid twenties. And so as I entered my thirties, it was like, okay, you know, this is, this is everything I've learned about relationships and dating. And like, Oh God, <laughs>
0: like,
3: yikes. <laughs> Which is not to say that like, I, like, I love sex in the city. I enjoy that show a lot. I think, um, but it's, it's It doesn't totally hold up, but it's still a really fun show. But it had some like really problematic storylines and characters. And, you know, I think it's easier for me to look at it now than it was
0: back then because I sort of took it at face value then. Yeah, I was going to say there's like, you know, shows with you know, mythology or, or vampires, for example, it's easy not to take it so literal because there is a mythological element to a show. But then you have like, I feel like sex in the city was trying to say like, Hey, if you are single and in your thirties, look at how fabulous, you know, and it, but it was like such a, the pendulum swung in such the opposite yes. direction of just like high heels, sex, like nights out New York city. And in a, like, in that's incredible. If anyone was able to sustain a very chic and fun, fabulous lifestyle is that, but if there was just like no middle ground, I guess. Totally. I think for me, a lot of it, a lot of the pressure I felt, you know, I was married
5: at 29 and I had, I got pregnant pretty quickly. And that was a lot of like external pressure for myself, but a lot of like, you know, influencer culture was, it still existed in the aughts when I, and, how old am I? 42. When when I was in my thirties and also in my twenties, like bloggers, like it was the early start of that, but there were, there were still people who felt like they had it together who were also real live humans that I was following online. And so that, I think I self-imposed a lot of like, why am I not like them? Dot, dot, dot. Like this person Mm -hmm. is making, they're making a big salary at this age that I'm at. And I'm like, barely scraping by and in credit card debt you know so there's all these kind of a lot of the ways people I mean this is we all know this now right but like still and I still fall for it when you're comparing yourself to people who are presenting parts of their lives online you just can feel like you're not enough right like it just can really it can be exhausting but I think for me like you know, my mom died when I was 56 and no, wait, wait, hold on. Let me backtrack. (laughs) My mom died when she was 56. And so that immediately, and I was 27. And so that immediately launched me Mm. into this, like, I've got to hurry up and get to the next phase of my life for better or for worse and have kids. Cause I was kind of in my brain on this like timeline of mortality. So I feel like that for me was the overpowering influence. And of course, sex in the city, like that makes everybody feel but like shit but also it's the best show ever.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a whole book about being a late bloomer and what I have learned since publishing that book is kind of what Kate was saying that like so many people consider themselves late bloomers in some aspect of their lives and it's almost always because they have internalized some sort of pressure Or this idea that they should be somewhere where they're not. And even if they feel like they have like hit the milestones at the right time in some aspect of their lives, that they are quote unquote behind in other aspects. And like, I want us all to just like, let that
0: go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I didn't have, like, I had a different kind of clock in my own mind of, is scheduling out what my life is going to be. And, and so for me, it was just a constant anxiety and concern over being able to conceive a child mm. later in life. My mom had struggled with fertility issues. And so I'd seen what she went through. So I kind of began to internalize her experiences and was like, okay, I have to get this done. Like, you know, I got to get married. And then right after that, I got to have a baby. And then I just got to like, be in family mode and it's interesting the kind of pressures we put on ourselves in relation to what are w- in relation to how we think we're going to be able to control our lives when really we don't have that much control <laughs> in yeah. general i also think what's so interesting i mean obviously being in your 40s at this point but i think what's so interesting it, for me going into like my 35th year is do you guys remember when your parents turned 40 yes I have my diary entry. Stop.
5: I was cleaning out my mom's like dresser after she passed and I she had one of my old diaries from when I was like 9 or 10 years old and in it it's like today's mom's 40th birthday. She's so old. I can't believe she's <laughs> aging this much. <laughs> and and I and I found it and I was like, "Oh, this is oh so embarrassing." God. And I still think about it because and then I think about my mom used to watch the show 30 something when I was a kid and that seemed so old. And so to just kind of blast through your thirties and be on the other side of it, like, and then you realize in hindsight, it's nothing like we're, I'm lucky to be here, but this is still very young. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's,
0: it's mind boggling. Yeah. Party city is what gets triggering for me. Like, I just remember like my parents turning 40 and like, any any time any of their friends turned forty, everything was over the hill. I remember going yeah. to Party City and buying like the the a cane with a horn on it and like <laughs> the big glasses so you can read when you're forty. I just, and it was <sighs> so embedded oh in my, my brain. God. Like that's that's when you're really officially old. And and still at Party City, I I see that aisle and I'm just like, damn you, damn over the you. hill.
5: It's so over wild over
0: the hill. Uh, Oh, my God. That, like, pains me to think about. Well, then, at what point did you guys decide... I mean, obviously, as female podcasters, we know how much fun it is just to create and uh, this space and bring a community of people together and and also bring guests on that you get to learn from their lives and experiences, like all the joys that come with podcasting. When you guys came up with Forever 35, obviously a tongue-in-cheek name, what, what at that point in your life was kind of leaning you towards wanting to have that as like a jumping off point for this podcast and, and talking about like health and wellness and self-care and all of the things that you guys were incorporating at that time.
5: Dory and I, and other friends too, were texting, we would text so much about skincare and and kind of little things that you start to talk about as you get a little bit older, right? Like cool elastic waist pants, let's say. But I, I specifically at that time, it was kind of the time of my life where I was like, I guess I I am getting wrinkles. That is going to happen. Like, what is a Retinol serum. I don't know any of this stuff. It's obviously not like, you know, gonna solve the world's problems, but I we were, I was genuinely trying, like having conversations about these things. And so a friend of ours, who's a friend of the podcast, Jane Marie, I think Dory had put on Facebook, like, what should we call our podcast? And she is the one who actually suggested the original name. We did not come up with it. We have a we had a million other names that are nowhere near as, as good. But It really was poking fun of the idea of the pressure to never age, especially on women. And I think also this kind of, um, I, I mean, this is maybe reading a little too much into it, but like the things you might want to buy or have as you age, as opposed to when you're 21. Obviously, it's a play on Forever 21, the fast fashion chain. Did I miss anything, Dory? That's kind of sum it up. Well, I feel like I'm not quite nailing it here on this one.
3: No, I mean, I think you are. I think we also felt like so much of media geared towards women in particular was was so focused on women in their 20s and that a lot of the podcasts or, you know, just media in general talking about beauty and skincare, you know, you'd see like a 25-year-old talking about their skincare routine and it's like, you're 25, (laughs) like your skin will... Unless, you know, unless you have some medical issue going on, like your skin will probably look pretty good, like no matter what you do to it. And we were kind of like, where is the skincare routine of the 40-year-old? Like, this is the information that I need. Um, And so we did really feel like there was a hole in the conversation in that regard. And so we just wanted to, to kind of say like, Hey, like we're getting older and like that's happening. Like we're not going to shy away from it. And one thing that like a reframe that actually Kate has been really helpful with. Yes, you, Kate. Ooh, actually goes back to, you know, the fact that her mom died at 56 and Kate has kind of reframed this idea of aging for me as like aging is a privilege. Like the fact that we get to age, that we get to grow old, is a privilege that like not everyone gets to do and thinking about it that way, you know, really helped me kind of put things into perspective. And so I think all of these things were sort of floating around our
0: brains when we came up with the podcast. It's interesting because I like, especially at, at 34 now and having kids and, you know, and Keeping them alive with food and water and <laughs> a roof over their head and driving them to activities at multiple times, mm. sometimes
1: the same so time, many, you know, so many
0: activities. I, I just, I think, like honestly, I love like the retinol, the hyaluronic acid. Yes, let's like let's explore all of it. But sometimes I'm just like, you know, what would be the greatest beauty product is if someone made a space for moms just to go and sleep for 48 yes. hours like alone, like just alone. <laughs> just like, a, like you know, I feel like in Japan, they had those hotels where you just climb into a cubicle and you don't you just go. That's my dream. Yes. Like a pod. You don't need much. That is my dream. Like, I think we need to adopt this into our country, like to just have like mom pods where you go and you get to just sleep because that is where I'm like, I'm putting all the same creams on, I'm putting all the same patches on, but I I like you can't get those hours back and that's probably the toughest. Well, and Candace, I think you raise a good point because
5: ultimately I think one thing that like Dory and I have kind of landed on in talking about this stuff for the last 4 years is that like ultimately self-care exists on such a larger level too. Like right now in America, there's this whole conversation about um, paid leave for parents and, you know, still doesn't exist yet and it's getting cut and will po- possi- probably be non-existent yeah. in this uh, latest um, bill. And it's, and it's like, oh, like, the self-care of the community and the whole is really also incredibly important. And like, you can put as many like eye patches under your eyes, but like, <laughs> but people aren't able to, you know, take paid time off after they have kids. And it's like, it's so we're not, nothing is really set up for us structurally on the, on a larger scale to, to honestly care for ourselves. And like, and I'm saying this as a white woman, like it's, it's even harder for black women, women of color, you know, LGBTQ people. Like it's just set, not set up for us to access self-care. So, I mean now I'm on my, you know, soapbox here, but like you talk about being a new parent or being a parent at all and it's it's exhausting and the the support we ha- you know like f- there's not a lot of support for us to actually care for ourselves as parents. It's really hard. Like I could sleep for a month in a
6: pod. I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I know and then going back to what you're saying then you have like a, you know, a Hadid sister, you know, modeling you know, or like showing their there's nighttime skincare routine, pre-baby, pre-baby Hadid sister. And you're just like, hold on. No, I want to see the skincare routine of like a mom of three with like spit up on her sweatshirt yes. being like, let me show you how I get this shit done. Yes, exactly. Those are skills. And also Those with, are skills. without limited financial resources
5: too, right? Yes. Like, yeah, like, you know, I like, mean, kudos to the Hadids, but like they can get their hands on whatever they want. Yes. And like we, you know, sadly cannot.
0: I think we need paid (laughs) paid family leave and free La Mer for the masses. Like a skincare check in the mail. Candace, if you ran on that platform, I (laughs) I would vote for you. Yeah. Okay, good. You know what? I've been looking for a hobby. So that's gonna be my next. Why not? Seems like everyone's just jumping into politics these days. Why why not? not? (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
6: They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor.
0: And we're back. Obvi- Another thing that I've found that I speak with my friends about, and I don't know how much you guys talk about it on mic and off mic, but it's just, you know, you obviously, as we age, there are so many beauty tools and uh, processes and things that you can do just right there at our disposal that didn't exist years ago. You know, like now 18 year olds are getting prevented. I'm using air quotes, preventative Botox, which is like, mm-hmm wildly concerning and fascinating. And like, it's like, I can't wait to see what happens in 20 years. And like, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they all look fantastic. I'm putting that into the, into the world for them. Yeah. But also at a certain point, I feel like, you know, it was different when we were all younger. And so, you know, plastic surgery or like needle, you know, injections were things maybe you would do when you got older. So now seeing all of these like young influencers and these young, you know, people, doing that, I'm now older, being like, well, I haven't really done it. And then all of a sudden, like sideline being like, Well, I might just try an appointment. Like how much how much like I love when women get together to be like, Well, I'm not doing it, but like, but if I did do it, this is exactly what I would do and this is the doctor I would go to.
1: And <laughs> like,
0: just the like talking each other on the ledge and off the ledge of the beauty, you know, enhancements or injectables that are at your disposal. Like, do you feel like that is a big common conversation that comes up a lot. You know, I feel like I mean I I personally feel like I have such a
5: skewed opinion of this living in Los Angeles. Like it kind of it adds like I've had this conversation with my group of friends from college who live all over the country and their reaction to me being like, I'm going to get Botox to straighten out my eyebrows because one of my eyebrows is drooping now was very different than if I throw that out to a group of friends who live in LA. And I don't want to just, assume, I mean, uh, in, this kind of stuff is accessible everywhere. and But there is like being surrounded by people in the entertainment industry where there's a med spa on every corner. I do feel like the conversation is slightly different here. But I guess it's it's such an interesting... Thing to talk about, right? Because on the one hand, I do feel like I want to be able to radically accept who my body and my face and aging. And on the other hand, it is annoying when all of a sudden, like, you wake up in your mid to late 30s and you're like, oh shit, all these things are drooping on my face. I didn't really think it would happen to me. And so I personally am kind of like, whatever you want to do, go for it. But who was it? We had Busy Phillips on the show. And what did she call it? She was like, you're chasing the dragon. Chasing the dragon.
3: She said you're chasing the dragon. Um, She also, um, I think we cut this, Kate, but she also pointed out that if you're going to do it, go to a doctor who looks the way you want to look. Ooh, that is yeah. very good advice. <laughs> so, yeah. And I agree with Kate. I mean, I think the conversation around these things in LA and Kenneth, I'm sure, you know, for you, yeah, have, like, in, the, in the industry, like it's got to be so different from the way people not in the industry are talking. And that, I mean, I know you're interviewing us, but <laughs> i'm 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 wondering what those conversations are like and if like actors feel pressure like from their reps or you know from
0: anyone to do things that they might not feel like they want to do i've definitely never been pressured by reps or anyone that i've directly worked with i've had comments from like maybe makeup artists you know about like certain oh, wow. things over the years but I also it's funny. It's like I'm the person I'm the wor- I'm the worst actor, like as the actor in the world in the sense that like I don't I'm really bad at like the rules. Like, you know, if I know I need to like just look extra like tight for something, I'm like, OK, I'm really going to commit. I'm really going to commit because this is important. I know I want to look a certain way and I'm just going to eat leafy greens. I'm going to drink my water. And, and then all of a sudden I get stressed out and I'll self-sabotage and I'm like, I'm going to eat this pizza right now. Fuck you, society. You do not own me. <laughs> this pizza does. And, and so <laughs> it's been kind of the same where I'm just trying to say like, oh yeah, no, I I don't want to manipulate my face to look a certain way. And But then all of a sudden I look at so many other people and I'm just like, well, they look fantastic and fresh-eyed and like I want to look that way too I've only done Botox once but I this is where this is where it gets dangerous for me because I love following like for a while I was following a lot of plastic surgeons on Instagram Mm because I think like watching it is like fascinating and it's kind of like before I had a baby I had to like watch a million live births on YouTube like this is kind of like how oh wow (laughs) plastic surgery is for me so like I, I I like only went in once to go get Botox but then I get there and I'm like, well, what else do you do? And they're like, oh, well, we can mm. actually do it like a little bit here and like your neck. I'm like, you can put Botox in a neck. Let's try it on. Come on. Like strap me down, Sue. Let's do this. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it's three hours later and I've got like a like one of those things that strap on to your sides that melt the fat away. And, and then oh, I've got wow. another thing. Like I, it's kind of like when I go to get a pedicure, like if they're like, Hey, would you like a scrub and butterflies to fly <laughs> around? Your side? I'm like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> so that's where it is a very slippery slope. I have to, I've never been pressured by anyone, but now it's like, you're right. There's like certain things where before, if I was a little less tired, certain wrinkles would maybe fade during the day. And now they're just mm-hmm. there all the time. And I'm like, What's up with that? But it's normal. It's it's And the other thing that's irritating to me, like this is what's really irritating is like a few months ago or weeks ago, Cameron Diaz, who's gorgeous, is just like goes to an event and the whole worldwide news is that she like is it has aged. Like that she looks like herself and is beautiful and is also just like looks as herself is like, I I think she's, I forget exactly what age she is, but that she looks her age in a beautiful way, like in the Cameron Diaz way. And that was like global news. That's wild to me. And everyone's like, you're so brave. Like what? What? What What is that? Yeah. I mean,
5: the age stuff is crazy because it's like when you think of movies and sitcoms where like... You have couples, you know, I think I just read this. I was reading something today where people are like, remember Sally Fields. It's because Paul Rudd is voted sexiest man alive. Someone on the Internet was making this point and I read it and I'm not going to be able to credit them and I apologize. But Paul Rudd's 55, I guess, in his 50s and he was just voted yeah, sexiest man alive. And meanwhile, Sally Field was like 46 and playing Forrest Gump's mom. And it's just like, you know, when you watch on sitcoms or in movies and like, the The actress and they're portraying a you know heterosexual relationship. The actress is like twenty five and the actor's like forty six, and you're just like, what? I mean, it, again, like yes, those relationships happen in real life, but it's just the constant assumption that women must always look younger, and mm-hmm. and so I'm always wondering like how much of my desire to like laser my face and micro needle myself is internalized misogyny and, and how much of it is like, oh, I just, I want to do this for myself. Like we can never know. We can't, we can never stop the messages that we receive, right? They're, they're not going to go away. So yeah, I've seen also Drew Barrymore. I mean, a lot of these actresses have kind of uh, been embracing some face wrinkles more, which is lovely, but it's crazy that it's news, right? Like you're totally right.
0: Especially during this time. It's like there's a lot going on. Yeah. Well, there was that whole thing with um <clears throat> with Linda
3: Evangelista where she, you know, where she came out and said, like, I ruined my face, essentially, and I haven't been able to, like, go out in public. And I mean, that, I feel like people were talking about that for days. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I think she had gotten some cosmetic procedure done. And I think she got cool sculpting oh that's what it was yes but it was of the small percentage that it had a reaction yeah that left i don't know if it's permanent semi-permanent or temporary but essentially like deformity or like her body just wasn't going to kind of go back wasn't doing what the cool sculpting was supposed to do essentially yeah and that's the scary side of it it becomes like what's what am i doing like, what? Mm-hmm. and and back to what you were saying, Kate, like, why am I doing it? Well, then are there any things that you do love? I mean, obviously on your podcast, you guys talk about life. You talk about writing. You talk with incredible guests. And I know that you obviously also talk about, you know, beauty things that you do love and elements of self-care. Are there things that you guys do enjoy where you're like, yes, thank you, you know, modern science or medicine for Really wasting your time and using this <laughs> time to create like like laser hair removal. I'm like, cool. That's cool. Like I could shave under my arms le- less. Like that's what what it find time to uh, to reap the benefits of laser hair removal or tattoo removal. Are there any things that you guys like that have been created or that are out there or popularized? Okay, this is
3: a thing that I was totally skeptical of. And was like, this is fake. It definitely doesn't work. And then I tried it and I was like, okay. Which is an LED facial. You basically, you know, they kind of like put an LED mask on you essentially. And like, I don't know exactly how it works. But I definitely noticed a difference. And that was an example of something where I was like, thanks technology.
5: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, I... I get microdermabrasion when I get um, facials with my, the facialist I see, and I love it. And I, my face looks like I'm glowing. I I love it so much. Like if I could have someone just grind, like professionally grind my face (laughs) once a week, a hundred percent, I would do it. And I don't do it myself. I don't trust myself with like a, a tool in that way. But uh, to me, it's like, yes, like that's, this is the kind of stuff that I will be doing as I get older. I tried microneedling and I don't know if I'll, I don't think I'll do that again, but, but the microdermabrasion, it's just like, mm, mm. even just thinking about it
0: now, I'm like, oh, I gotta go get my skin <laughs> scraped. <laughs> that's how I am about the lasers. Each time I've been pregnant, I've gotten really bad sunspots or, or what is it? It's mm. mila- It's m- melasma. Melasma. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the yeah. first time I had it really bad on my forehead where you could see it, basically when I was like taping auditions, you could see it when I was filming. They had to like really cake it on. And then this other one, I got like a giant dot on my right hand side that was just prominent. So, but I did like the Fraxel laser where they like laser Ooh. your face and then it like peels off in six days, but you look like really like it's like sandpaper face for a few yes. days. And then like my husband just looked at me and just was like, I can't believe you've done this to yourself. And I'm like, this is not permanent. This is not how it works. <laughs> like he's always scared that every anything I do, like that's it. Like yeah. it's just permanent. That's how I'm going to look forever. And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry. It's much better. My skin peels off in chunks. And then that should calm you that it's just, uh, it's all going to fall off. My skin my mm. skin is going to remove itself from its face, but <laughs> yeah, it'll
5: be fine. Don't stress. Don't stress. I've always wanted to do Fraxel. That's, I'm excited to hear that.
0: I'm like I literally I couldn't keep my mouth shut about it. Like the the following week when when it was off and like if I was complimented on my my skin I just was like oh, Braxel, have you heard of it <laughs> like <laughs> the bats <laughs> like I'm the words that's the other <sighs> reason is like you'll like even the the one time I I did do Botox like a few weeks later someone was like you look really glowy I'm like I did Botox for the first time and they put it in my neck like and I don't oh, even know what it heck? did but it but they did it
3: the story, like the idea of being upsold while, like, while you're getting Botox. I feel like that is so real for so many people. <sighs> so yeah. Oh, but yes. Well, I mean, anytime I
5: go get anything done, like a facial, let's say, and they're like, do you want the extra 10 minute like aromatherapy mask? Like it really, in my brain, I'm like, everything will make everything better. Mm-hmm. So yes, like keep loading it on. Yes. And I, I mean, that's something I'm trying to work on not just like rushing to spend money on everything, but it's very hard not to just feel that temptation.
0: Well, and for me, it's very like specific to like the beauty regimen too. Like I for mm-hmm. there was a period of time where my husband very, very sweetly for like anniversaries or if we were on a trip, especially obviously pre-COVID, he would say, I surprised you with the massage. And I was like, Ugh. Like that's not like sounds dreamy, but I would rather get a facial like I want I want to be Mm. productive while I'm in there. Like I'm not. (laughs) Am I trying to relax? (laughs) Sure. But do I want to check some things off the list like, you know, hydrating (sighs) my face, you know, curing my hangover from last night's like margaritas? Yes. Like that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to lay there and get hot stones put on me. So, yes, that is I'm all about the facials and adding the extra stuff on. That's like a big part of it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
4: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that
1: may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
0: And we're back. What are non-beauty things that you guys do? I wanted to ask that like self-care, of of course, because I know that's a big topic of conversation that you guys discuss. But also, I also wanted to dive into selfish carelessness, which is like a concept I came up with this morning that of just the things that you do that you know aren't that great for you, but you really don't care. And it because it makes you feel good. It's like the, it's like the sour, it's like the the candy that is like rotting your teeth, but it's just so delicious. You're going to keep eating those little things that you keep for yourself.
5: Well, I mean, self-care for me, a lot of it is mental health stuff and sleep. Getting my sleep hygiene in order is has been like critical and getting and really realizing that I need a lot of sleep in order to have a good day the next day. And so that has been really important. I finally have made it so that I sleep with my phone, not in our bedroom. Just taken me years. Doesn't mean I'm not on it like up and right until I go to bed, but just even not having it there in the morning, I sleep longer. I'm not just like bending over and reaching for my phone half awake. And that has really made a big difference. And then mental health, like I, you know see a therapist and I am medicated for a variety of exciting mental health issues, but it has really helped. Like it, that really, you know, like I see a psychiatrist who I trust. I take both Prozac and Wellbutrin. I'm trying to get tested for ADD. Like all these things really do help me kind of understand myself better and then care for myself better. And then in terms of like my fuck you self-care stuff, <laughs> Ooh, baby. I mean, this is real weird. I'm just going to tell you, I eat butter plain constantly. I think butter is like the most delicious food. I buy Kerrygold. That's my favorite butter. I mean, it's fun, like n- butter is fine to eat. But like for me, I will just I'll like literally take bites out of the butter in our fridge. Probably wow. shouldn't be admitting this. But um, I mean, I do love I do love like staying up late and looking at TikTok, you know, stuff like that, where I'm like, I know I'm going to be, I just told you sleep hygiene was important. But <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side, sometimes it's like, I just really want to sit here and go deep on Instagram, yeah. even though I know I'm going to regret this, but this is what I need right now. Yeah. So here I am. I get that.
0: Not the butter, but the, but the TikTok oh. and the, <laughs>
5: Maybe I'll try I the butter some butter. Oh, salt, a salted butter. A <laughs> bite of salted butter is nothing better.
3: Sorry, okay. Dory. I know I was gonna say TikTok <laughs> also as like my thing that I know I shouldn't be doing. But I, I don't know. I really I do really enjoy looking at TikTok. And I feel like I've learned about things that I never yes. would have known about if it hadn't been for TikTok. I am I'm a lurker on TikTok. I don't. I don't make any videos. And I kind of enjoy that because I feel like between like the podcast and writing and other social media, I'm always like creating stuff for other people's consumption. And it's nice to just kind of sit back and let other people's creations (laughs) just like just absorb them. I also play games on my phone, which like is probably like I ideally I would like to get away from my phone and yet. I'm like pulled back into it. And so a lot of my self-care I think has to do with getting off my phone. Like I started taking piano lessons during the pandemic um, and like practicing the piano is something you can't do while you're looking at, at your phone. Mm. So that is, that is something that um, has been really nice and also playing tennis and um, has been another thing that I started doing again during the pandemic that I hadn't done for years and years. And that's been amazing also because
0: I'm like getting better at it and it's exercise and I'm not looking at my phone. So it's interesting how before the pandemic, the idea of self-care, I think involved a lot of other people, you know, it'd be like, I Mm. go to a yoga class. I go Mm -hmm. to, um, I go to brunch with my girlfriends or I go to like some sort of crowded place generally I go get my nails Mm -hmm. done around a lot of people on a Saturday and just just that the pandemic has essentially opened up this opportunity for us to kind of quiet that down and see like more individualized you know self-care time like the piano or a a tennis tennis I know you'd be playing with someone else but from a distance it's not like a huge group activity yeah that's Um, a really good point I don't know about eating butter. I I I have not done the TikTok thing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I've not jumped into TikTok, but I'm late to the Real Housewives like fandom. But I'm in. Like that's been mm-hmm. like the amount of time I spend watching and catching up on Real Housewives, and then and then listening to podcast recaps, and then reading the blogs to like stay up on you know all the criminal investigations and these real edge of your seat seasons. um, You know, that's been the big thing where my husband's like, are you off to watch your shows? I was like, yes, I'm just taking
2: three (laughs) to four hours of my (laughs) evening
0: when I should be sleeping and I should be doing other things and just going to rot my brain. But, you know, I feel like also
5: that is what you need. You know, I don't think there's any like anything bad about stuff that we have labeled as quote, bad, you know, like, I think we have to let ourselves have these experiences to relax and allowing, I think probably those moments allow you to decompress and process in ways that we maybe still don't even understand. I mean, my husband and I just started watching Below Deck together. And fantastic show. I Love it! It took me so long to finally come to it, but like my husband never watches reality TV, and last night he was like, "Do you want to do another <laughs> Below Deck?" <laughs> so like I can even see like for
0: him, I'm like, "Oh, we're just." It just feels nice just to like let it wash over you. Well, I know that we've we we've talked a lot about kind of beauty and beauty standards as we uh, gracefully add years to our lives. Um, but Kate, you mentioned obviously mental health and the importance of that. How has I feel it's science. I mean, biologically, we know as women, as we grow older, especially from teens to 20s and then 20s to 30s, that's when uh, biologically we will see more of our, you know, kind of any sort of we need to pay attention to our mental health, essentially. And it's always it's much more accepting these days, thank goodness, as women, especially to share with others and share with doctors what we're going through. Um, how has that uh, experience been for you kind of navigating your m- mental health journey as you've gotten older? Oh my gosh, it's a great question.
5: I'm not even sure where to begin. I mean, I, th- I think what's what has been interesting to me in recent years is that is my, is understanding that I don't know everything about myself and my mental health yet. For example, like I'm in the process of kind of getting diagnosed with ADD and learning about that and then reflecting on myself and my life and like starting to really see the patterns that have been there my whole life has been interesting. Um, it's both like illuminating, and very helpful, but it's also makes me very sad because I think anytime, you know, especially there's so many different kinds of resources for kids now, but when you start to reflect on what life was like when you were a kid, you know, there was not a lot of, there were, I was just like, you know, uh, made to feel like I was dumb in a lot of situations. Um, and It's really kind of it's there's a lot of grief, I think, that comes along with figuring out your mental health, because you look back and you're like, oh, these moments where I was made to feel ashamed or like there's something wrong with me. There wasn't. And this is what was going on. And I if I had known, I probably would have you know, spent the last (laughs) 30 years feeling differently about myself. And that can be really honestly can be really hard. Um, But I, I do think finding you know, and I've, I've had therapists that I've had really like poor interactions with. So finding a therapist that I trust has been amazing. Um, and I think just even learning how to trust your gut with your mental health professionals and trust if it doesn't feel right, um, can be really hard. I mean, it's just, it's not something we're ever really taught, you know, like I I hope my kids are learning about their mental health more with me as their parent, but this so is something I've kind of had to figure out on my own. All that being said, my parents were open about their mental health too. It's
0: just, it's just generationally, like, you know, it, it changes over time. I just had to break up with a therapist for the first time. But, and we didn't even, it was like, we only went on a few dates. So it wasn't even like deep. And that's mm-hmm. been my issue in the past is like, I'll kind of hang in there. And when I know like, I'm not, it's just not what, I'm not getting out of it, what I might need out of it. And uh, so at 34 it was the first time after a few therapy dates that I just was like it's not you it's not me it's just us together it doesn't it's, it and it's and it's really it, it's wild to me that I've, I've been in therapy on and off since i was 18 years old and i've just now been able to have that breakthrough so i understand what you're saying like getting to a point where you take notice of what you need out of the the help that you are seeking and the value in that. And, and also it's interesting yeah. in adulthood, how much time I, I, no one ever told me, I wish there would have been a chapter in a book of like how much time I'm sure there is, but how much time in adulthood adulthood is spent just wanting to give like your younger self a hug, you know? Oh. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, this is what I went through when I wrote my memoir. There was so much of me wanting to just like reach back through time and give my younger self a hug. And And I, I feel like I developed so much empathy for my younger self that I just didn't have at the time. And that was a really kind of jarring thing to come to. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to have more empathy for my current self too. (laughs) Right. And that's, you know, that's a process and a journey in and of itself. Well, I think the
0: space that you each make creating your podcast is um, just, it's a beautiful space for each other, for you each to uh, share what you're individually going through together. And then also for your guests to come in and share in their experiences. uh, Forever 35, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. And then Kate and Dory, where can our listeners find you individually on social media, or maybe even one day stalk your TikToks? I'm just at Dory D-O-R-E-E, on
3: Instagram and Twitter. And you can buy my book, Thanks for Waiting, wherever books are sold. I'm at Kate Spencer on Instagram. That's the best
5: social media platform to find me on. And I have a book coming out in March 2022, which you can pre-order. It's a romantic comedy, and it's called In a New York
1: Minute.
0: kate and dory thank you so much for joining me today just a wonderful reminder about the fact that self-care looks different for everybody so whether you just need a nice serum or a hot bath or a martini or a jog or just silence I'm, i'm really serious about this cubicle idea guys that might be my new business model in 2022 any thoughts? Any takers? Anyone else want to join me in just a quiet, secluded pod to sleep for 24 hours? Ah, oh, That sounds so peaceful. But truly, thank you all for joining us today. Take care of yourselves in whatever way that looks like. And we'll have an all-new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production
6: of Pineapple Productions.
0: Producer, Melissa Demontz. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King and advertising partnership with Acast.